Good morning and welcome to this week's public affairs program. I'm Amy Adams. This week, Jack Buttram talks labor and diversity in Evansville. I was raised on the east side of Evansville where there were no minorities. I attended Hebron Elementary School and Bosey High School where no blacks were allowed. I attended Purdue University where I saw no blacks. When I returned to Evansville, I worked for an electrical contractor where we were employing no minorities. And then I took a position with Swanson Nun Electric Company that was located at the corner of 8th and Oak, right in the middle of the black community. I came to Swanson Nun because I had an implied commitment to eventually own the company. Frankly, I was not impressed with how management of the company dealt with their surrounding community. And when I was able to buy the company in 1969, I was determined to be a good neighbor. Let me give you some examples of the folks who accepted me and accepted my total stupidity in their culture, and yet accepted me as a friend and a neighbor, allowing me to work alongside them as they worked to make things better for their people. First, I want to talk about John Bennett. I met John when I was on the board of the Community Action Program. John and I became good friends. And for several years that I chaired Cape's board, John would follow me back to my office to tell me all the ways I was not understanding their culture. There was a time when John asked me if I really wanted to spend time with him because he was a convicted felon but his past had no bearing on who he was at the time that I knew him, and as our relationship grew, I learned to really trust him. I gave him the keys to my facilities to watch over, and when he came back to me a couple of three weeks later, he said, Jack, I can't watch your facility 24-7. So I simply told him to give the keys to anyone he trusted. John and I did a bunch together. We traveled to Miami once when I learned of a construction job opportunity that required a minority contractor. We found a contractor, but our bid was not successful. John was a guest of mine at my Sunday school class where I had teenagers. I remember a pretty deep conversation about whether our generation had any responsibility for the sins of our ancestors. And since John went to my church, he invited me to his. And I learned the feeling of being in a large group where I was only the one of a different color. One day in 1972, my daughter Jean suggested that perhaps John and I would come to her classroom at Harrison and talk about how men of two different races could be such close friends. John agreed on the condition that he would speak first and announce, introduce me as his friend. And before I leave the subject of the community action of Evansville, please give me the opportunity, it gave and and giving me the opportunity to meet John. It also allowed me to meet a guy by the name of Harold Calloway. His business successes have made me proud to be part of our friendship. 
There were many who were convinced that the federal mandate for the CAPE-type programs would never work because they required makeup of the board of one-third each of possible clients, public officials, and private industry reps. I spent 15 years on the CAPE board, and it had remarkable sensitivity to its clients. And I visited their office this last week and was very much impressed with the many services they are offering. And, by the way, its CEO is interested in being a member of Rotary, and I will take him an application next week. And I mentioned Bobby Ogburn earlier. He's another individual who accepted me as a friend and allowed me to take part in some of his activities. Bobby was a machinist by trade who left Whirlpool to form a mission that he called the Black Coalition. His idea was to find employment opportunities in Evansville for African Americans. One of his missions was to put minorities into the union building trades, and he did so by schooling them in the aptitude test that they had to pass to be allowed to be considered for the union apprentice programs. When I spoke to Bobby last week about his activities, he reminded me that his efforts made it possible for over 300 African Americans to be part of the union building trades. Bobby also allowed me to be with him as he negotiated with the city officials for what became known as the Evansville Plan. This plan promised minority contractors would have opportunities to successfully bid any work done for the city. And that plan is still operating, and my friend Talmadge Vick is responsible for making sure that program is still working. When I joined the board of a walk-in facility supported by the action of the Mayor Frank McDonald, I met a lady who later became one of, our very, one of my very best friends. She was Jeanette Stewart. She was director of that walk-in facility called the Unity House and was passionate about providing a place for young youth who could hang out and stay out of trouble. Jeanette Stewart later became Jeanette Stewart Benton, and she and I shared membership on the Evansville Housing Authority. She was so active and effective on that board that the city named a street after her. And as I mentioned earlier, son Jerome is with us today. And speaking of the Evansville Housing Authority, being on that board was an interesting experience. The Housing Authority had just come off an experience with an executive director who treated those that she was entrusted to help very differently. She loved seniors, but had very little respect for African Americans, who made up most of her residents. The EHA Housing Authority ended up with a very well-kept senior living facility, but the residential projects were pretty much ignored, resulting in unfavorable living conditions. Our board went about making some major changes. We increased the maintenance staff. We recognized the need for some scattered housing and purchased a number of three-bedroom homes located throughout the city. 
We increased our funding for Section 8 low-income rental apartments, and we put additional influence on allowing opportunities for minority contractors to bid on construction projects. And since meeting my friend Rick Moore, and I don't see him today, um, the current executive director of the Housing Authority, I have learned that public housing has changed in many, many ways. And incidentally, Rick would make a pretty good program for Rotary sometime. As I talk about my inner city experiences, I need to mention another individual who gained my respect and appreciation. His name is and was Jim Moores. He was deputy sheriff and captain of the jail. John Bennett got me involved in an organization called the Offender Aid and Restoration Program. Its mission was to visit people in the jail and assist them in being prepared to be good citizens as they released. It had federal funding and we had an executive director. And one of our board members was Captain Merce. He attended our meetings and was actively supportive of our efforts, which would not have been successful without his involvement. I'm not sure of how our success percentage was, but we all thought about our efforts were pretty important. And I should mention that I've had conversation with our member, Sheriff Robinson, and I understand that he has a program on the horizon that will have the same purpose and mission. And another program that I had the pleasure to being a part of was a program brought to Evansville from Indianapolis called the Minority Supplier Development Council. This was an organization focused on connecting minority businesses with corporations. And the public sector was to help them benefit each other. The program included meetings with vendors and buyers so that they could meet and discuss what buyers expected from their vendors. Interested in vendors were urged to go through a certification process to assure buyers of their capabilities. Jerome Stewart and his successful company, Diversity Supplier Inc., is a super example of that opportunity. But before I leave my discussion of my experiences as a white businessman in a minority neighborhood, I should say that it was not always easy. I have to admit that I was aware that there were some businesses and individuals that resented my activities. And there were several business associates who strongly disagreed with what I was doing. There was no doubt it cost my company some business opportunities. There was even a time when one of my business friends suggested that he would like to have a private conversation with me. When I suggested a certain restaurant, his comment was, Jack, you don't understand. I can't be seen with you. We found a remote restaurant with a room having no windows so that we could have our lunch. There was another time during the period of unrest in the inner city when it appeared we were heading to a riot. There were several instances of shootings and several instances that seemed to suggest that serious possibilities were of a major uprising. Five of us, John Bennett, Bobby Ogburn, John Cable, Richard Clips, and myself, got together and composed a full-page newspaper ad 
and it said, laying, on, laying it on the line for people who care, wherein we mentioned both sides of the issue and closed with this appeal. Truth, honesty, trust, freedom, and prosperity is the hope of all mankind. We are appealing to all the citizens of Evansville to be rational in this very intense time and to do others as you would have others do unto you. I turned this paper into the city news uh, group and received a call from the city editor. He said, Jack, are you sure you want to print this? I assured him I did. I never heard much of the article, but I do know that Evansville had no riots. My inner city experiences led me to have a high level of respect to a couple of men whose names you'll recognize, namely Dan Quayle and Ted Kennedy. Their politics could not have been more different. One was a conservative Republican, one was a very liberal Democrat. But together, they crafted, and with their joint support, Congress passed, what was known as the Joint Training Partnership Act. This act created a program called Private Industry Council, whose mission was to provide training and resources to assist those unemployed to find meaningful employment. On one occasion, there was a national meeting of local pick councils. We made contact with Quayle's office, who by then was vice president, and asked him to appear and speak to our meeting. He declined the meeting, but did invite a group of us to his office. There were about 15 of us, and we enjoyed meeting him. We each got individual pictures taken, shaking his hand, and we presented him with a certificate of appreciation. We sensed during our presence that he was a little on edge. We learned later that President Bush was on a plane coming back from Japan and, we, and when we were with him. If something would have happened, uh, Vice President Quayle would have been in charge. One last involvement I need to mention. Rotarian J.T. McCarty and I served together on the local board of trustees of Ivy Tech. That school involves 14 campuses around the state, each with a seven-person board and also included a state board of trustees. Our board was convinced we were the best. We were the only local board who consistently had 100% attendance at our state meeting. And it was our board that kept the state folks, that kept telling the state folks that Ivy Tech should take advantage of their statewide exposure and change their focus from a vocational education system to a community college system, making general education opportunities available to Indiana students. JT and I take some credit for the present status of Ivy Tech as a statewide community college who is now providing more opportunities for a wide variety of students. Before I conclude this portion of my program, please know that I selected the day after Martin Luther King's birthday because I shared his dream of equal opportunities for all citizens. And I'm super pleased that our hometown 
has progressed even past my dreams with the election of our new mayor. The other topic of my presentation is with regard to labor relations. And in this portion, I'll try to show you examples that prove personal relations are the key to successful labor negotiations. In October of 1982, I made a presentation to Rotary about my company, Swanson Nunn. I included the comment that we had licenses in 23 states and were then employing electricians in seven of them. We had over 200 electricians working for us, about 150 in the Evansville area. Accordingly, I was on the local labor management committee, which consisted of four union members and four contractor reps. These types of committees had responsibility to settle local disputes and determine wages. Discussions over wages were sometimes pretty heated. Both sides expected discussions to result in a win. And by the way, in case you didn't know it, our government years ago decided that unions should be democratic. And all union leaders have to be reelected every three years, which puts the burden on them to secure yearly increases for their members. Discussions were so intense that one year, when the, when the negotiations did not go the union way, I awakened in the middle of the night when I received four shots of double-aught butt shocks into the front of my house while the family was asleep. Our local electrical union had an election, and a guy by the name of Larry Scott became its business manager. Larry was a tough young man, an ex-Marine and proud of a Native American heritage. Larry and I had ways of making each other mad, and we usually would do it on purpose. Our trade association manager called me aside one day and let me know that our fights were not helping anything. So I invited Larry to have lunch, and as we chatted, I began to realize that Larry was not a bad guy, and I even kind of liked him. So long story short, we agreed to trust each other. Both agreed that we had jobs to do representing our associations, but we could negotiate in good faith and resolve our differences peacefully, and by gosh, it worked. And I'm proud to say that the attitude of trust and respect continues today. Both sides recognize a need for peaceful settlements, not only for the not only for the benefit of their respective organizations, but for the entire community. And one of the people that I had invited to be here and called me just yesterday to tell me he got caught with COVID was Jack McNeely, who was who is president of the local union uh, construction unions, and he brings an attitude to that entire union of peaceful settlements and calm, cool, and collected negotiations. Years ago, Evansville was losing local industries, and city fathers decided they needed a national firm to do a survey 
to find out what was the matter. And in 1975, they hired a firm called Fantas to complete that survey. That, that firm came back saying that Evansville had a bad labor image. That image brought the Federal Mediation Conciliation Service into town to organize a labor management committee. They picked five union officials and five management reps. I was picked as a construction management rep. And as we organized, we learned that we could truly work together and even like each other. And this group grew. There are some, incidentally, some other members here today who were part of that group. And with some federal money, we hired an executive director. And over the next seven years, we drew a total of 26 separate media articles regarding our successful partnership. And we were even mentioned in the Wall Street Journal article. Whirlpool got an early bird settlement in 1978, and Pittsburgh Plate Glass broke ground for a new building, stating that they would not have come to Evansville had it not eliminated its bad labor climate. Our Evansville successes led the FMCS to form labor management committees throughout the country to a total of 35. Then we organized a national association of area labor management committees, and I got selected as management co-chair, sharing chairmanship with a union member from Maryland. This group led then-President Ronald Reagan to form a Department of Labor Management in his Labor Department. And for several years, the National LMC held meetings in Washington involving over a thousand people. At one point, I received an invitation by Labor Secretary Donovan to accompany him in a joint management conference in Israel. It was a very interesting exchange of cooperative ideas with representatives of a nation where more than 90% of the workers are union. And most industry managements in Israel are, in fact, union members. Again, developing relationships is the key to negotiations. So finally, i got to say thank you, and thank you for letting me talk to you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a wonderful opportunity for me to go back into kind of my personal memory lane. You know, no kidding, the relationships that I've established bring tears to my eyes. It's been a wonderful experience for me. It was a wonderful experience for me. And thank you all for braving the cold to come out and be, be preached at. First of all, Jack Bravo, thank you very much. Um, you said some really important stuff, and you already indicated that at that time period, that it wasn't popular and you were resented by people. Um, you obviously had to make a decision at some point that you were going to support that community and support diversity. So I mean, my question is, is what, what happened, what went on in your head that made you decide that you were going to do that regardless of what the 
probably popular opinion was around you in the community. I mean, that took bravery, that took intelligence. Um, I'd be very interested to know what brought you to that point. Thanks for asking. Um, I blame it on a pastor that I had years ago who had a real concern for minorities. He and I talked when, uh, when, when it occurred down in Selma, Alabama. He and I talked even about going down there. Um, he had an interesting relationship. He had a real pretty wife. He and his real pretty wife had a habit of meeting with uh, one of the black ministers who also had a pretty wife and they enjoyed going to lunch together, going to dinner together, acting as if they were sort of married. So if I had a urge, it was started with him. Um, what really bothered me, frankly, as I went to Swanson Nunn, was, um, was the attitude of the leadership. Gee whiz, uh, a, a young black guy came into the office and he was going to have a some sort of a basketball team and he asked for a hundred dollars and our response was we better give him a hundred dollars or we'll have our windows broken out and that's a stupid way to act in my opinion thanks for the question Elaine Who? <laughs> Leo and Lucy Buttram. <laughs> oh, heck, I was fortunate in having a couple parents who were really, really, really good to me. Um, Sandra, you had a question earlier. Ask it again. Hi, I'm Sandra Matthews, founder of the Evansville African American Museum. I don't have a question, but I do need to know that we would not have the African American Museum Jack had not been chairman of the Evansville Housing Authority Board of Directors. It allowed us to have the building that we're in for a dollar. And um, uh, the Evansville African American Museum is one of the jewels of Evansville and the area. No, no other place in Indiana has an African American Museum built just for us. So thank you, Jack, so much. For <laughs> And I say, don't kid these people, Sandra. You were the one who made it happen, not me. Thank you. Uh, I don't have a question. I just have a comment to make about uh, Mr. Buttram. Uh, in my experience with him and how little things can change the trajectory of an individual, trajectory of an individual. I was a young guy just back from Vietnam, and I kind of wanted to get into social work field, and I was able to get the job as his thought director, and Jack was the um, president of the and his uh, encouragement from him, how he made me feel like I, I was doing a really good job, and really I didn't know much about what I was doing, but he gave me uh, really encouragement that made me take other steps in life that I thought I could do based on what he told me. So I want you to know I appreciate that. I've never told you that before, but I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you've done in our community to uh, to make our community understand that you're a fair guy. Thank you, Harold. Thank you.
didn't have a choice of being here because he and I meet every Wednesday over lunch and he and I are part of this organization or this group called Romeos. You know, retired old men eating out was us. Okay, sir. Everybody's been giving you wonderful praise yeah. and now I'm going to hit you with a hard one. Thank you. 75 years marriage, what's a trick? <laughs> a wife that would put up with me. Um, truthfully, I traveled all the time, and my wife took care of my three kids and did a wonderful job at it. Um, Jane has pretty bad dementia, or she would have been here today. Um, I was lucky. Thank you. Yeah. My name is Jerome Stewart, and as uh, Jack alluded to earlier, he and my mom were very best friends, and I can tell you, uh, over the years, all I heard was Jack Budgeon. I mean, my mom thought Jack hung the moon. But, but what I like about Jack and what really touches me to this very day is to, for him to get up there and speak the way he has spoken. And he's 94 years old, and he's still being an inspiration to people. And I'm telling you, people like you are my hero because too many times people look at age and they give up. And all you do is tell us all is, keep going. Don't ever stop doing what you're doing. Thanks, Jerome. The, 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 the problem you have is that you don't ever want to feel your age. People have to tell you how old you are. People have to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. But I am finding that it's a little more difficult. Thank you. Thank you. There's Jeff Dyg. Mr. Jeff. Um, I don't need to tell anybody else that's in the room, but if it wasn't for Jack Budrum, we wouldn't have an Emmanuel Wartime Museum. And it's just been, he kept us, um, we struggled there at the beginning, and we were going to have a hard time getting our feet off the ground. And uh, in the last six, eight years in particular, he was the one that kept us alive and kept the subject out there. So You're going to get tears in my eyes again, Jeff. And, 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 and Jeff was the second president of the Evansville Wartime Museum, and a guy sitting back out there, Mike Tiemann, is now the president of the Evansville Wartime Museum. And Mike, thank you. Jack, J.T. McCarty. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I could probably spend hours thanking you for the influence you've had on me over the years, but i got to draw... Simple and, and refine it down to the days that you and I were on the board at, at Ivy Tech, and uh, we, we, and Jack was my mentor. He, you were the, the chair when I came on, and I think I represented agriculture. I sold petunias, and, and somehow they got me on the board. But I think the things that that you represented then, you do now, so eloquently and and vividly, was your approach to honesty and to trust and, and all the things that you referenced earlier. Um, and you were a mentor, a, a friend, and still are. Um, but I look back in retrospect at the things that we were able to accomplish on that board. I remember Larry Scott sitting right across the table. Right. Uh, and and uh, we, we all didn't agree, but we all had respect for one another, and we accomplished some 
remarkable things at Ivy Tech and, and brought it to where it is today. And I would still bet my right and left arm that it's the best of all the regions out of what, 13 or thereabouts? 14, 14 I think. 14 in the state. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. we're pretty proud of it. I truly believe that the essence of living is giving. And you, my friend, um, you really are a pimp. Uh, and I get choked up saying it, but what you have given back to this community is priceless. I got, I got to, I got to sit down. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's public affairs program. From all of us from Midwest Communications in Evansville, Indiana. Have a great week.